When we live and rest in the finished and complete and fully good and fully sufficient work of Jesus, and we accept that work as work done on our behalf, then we graciously get all the blessings of God. Welcome to the 9 to 5 podcast, conversations with Christians about lives of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. They are from Christians in Commerce, a ministry supporting and encouraging men and women to be Christ in the workplaces. We hope you enjoy this episode. This episode features Roy Tinklenberg, founder of faithandworkmovement.org. Roy was one of our lightning talks during our Coworkers in Christ gathering on October 5th, 2018. Now here's Roy. Maybe you are in a social circle. Maybe it's a sports league, maybe it's a work environment where you just felt like you didn't belong that you didn't go to the right university because you're surrounded by all these amazing smart people that graduated from Harvard or Stanford or UC Berkeley or the University of South Dakota. Um, <laughs> or maybe you don't wear the right clothes. You know, maybe, maybe you're around people dressed in Brooks Brothers or Patagonia or Lululemon or the $26 clearance uh, from H&M. You know, and, and you just feel like you, you just don't belong. Well, in Silicon Valley, we have a word for that. We call that imposter syndrome. And what we mean by imposter syndrome is that it's just a matter of time until the people around you realize that you are an imposter and that you really don't belong. And that... You're just going to fake it until you make it, if that's possible. But most likely, they're going to find you out. And eventually, they're going to find out that you aren't good enough. That you don't measure up. And if you felt that way, then probably you're going to have two temptations. One is that you're going to want to fight. You're going to want to prove that you do belong. And that could be deeply rooted because maybe you've heard that as a kid that you weren't good enough and you've been trying to prove dad wrong or mom wrong or the teacher wrong ever since. And you want to fight that. And the other temptation is you just want to flee. You just want to, you just want to run away because you just feel like, I just don't belong here. Today, I want to talk about overcoming the imposter syndrome and give you a different option between fighting and proving that you do belong and fleeing and running away. I'll never forget the day when I first heard that word, imposter syndrome. It came up as a prayer request when I was meeting a group of friends um, at Facebook for lunch. And one of the guys said, shared his prayer request, and he says, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. And I didn't know what that was, and so I w just asked, thereby proving that I was an imposter, yep. <laughs> because everybody else knew. Everybody else knew what he was talking about, because they are like true Silicon Valley people, and I'm the outside guy, the guest at the company. And, and so I asked, and he, he said, yeah, it's when you just feel like everybody around you is better than you. And he's like, I'm with this team, and they're all really brilliant engineers, and I just feel like I don't quite get everything that they get. And it's just a matter of time until they figure it out. 
And right after that lunch, I went out to the valet that they have outside of Facebook. When you're a visitor, you get valeted in. And I stood in line with my little valet card, and um, I watched the people in front of me, and they gave their card to the valet, and he ran out to the parking lot, and they came back with a nice Tesla or something like that. Um, and then another person, you know, comes back with a, with a BMW, and then, you know, somebody comes back with a shiny Acura, and I was like, okay, at least now I'm in the same class, because I knew that when I gave my ticket to the valet guy, he was going to run out to the parking lot, and he was going to be looking for a 1995 Acura Integra <laughs> that needed a paint job so badly that it looked like it had leprosy. <laughs> and as I was standing there after I gave that ticket, I knew there were a whole line of people behind me that also had Teslas and BMWs and shiny cars, and I was going to be so ashamed to have my bucket of bolts come rolling up. But, you know, I'm just this poor church-planting pastor who, that's what I had. And I just wanted to get away. I was like the guy in the Southwest commercial. Like, you just want to get away? I, I just wanted to get away. I just wanted to fly out of there. And I fully felt that I was an imposter in Silicon Valley. That I didn't belong. Or at least that my car didn't belong, you know? And so what's the answer then? I can fight it or I can just try to leave but I knew that I was called there. And I knew that God called me there for that moment, in that time, to that place. And if God has you in a workplace, he's called you there too. And he's made you you. And as the scriptures teach us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now that verse is not a verse that we just learn about sanctity of life from. That verse that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God saw us in our mother's wombs, that verse is a verse that the writer of the psalm understood to be a verse about the sanctity of his own life. That he was who God had made him to be. I'd like to read a few of these verses from that scripture in Psalm 139. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I could count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. What this is teaching us is that we are God's children and we are made by him and his thoughts to us are constant. I'm from California 
but I was born in Minnesota, raised in South Dakota. When I get to California, I see the beaches are a lot bigger than the ones around the lake. Um, and this verse that tells us, verse 18, that tells us that God's thoughts to us are so vast that they are more than the sand. You could still do this exercise. It works really well in California, but you could still do it in Minnesota. Just go to a lake to find a beach, scoop up a handful of sand, and take one by one out, counting them. It's going to take you a long time to count just one handful of sand. And then when you've done that and you've counted all those grains of sand, look at all the rest all the way across the beach. God's thinking of you, and he's got all your days numbered, and he knows them all. He knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth before you do. He knows the thoughts in your head. He knows the way you feel about being that imposter in that workplace. And he says, I know everything about you, and I choose to love you. Now, if we can let that truth sink in, then we don't have to worry about what everybody else thinks. Because if the king of the universe says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and if he knows everything about you and he doesn't abandon you, but he chooses instead to love you, then what people think about your $26 jacket from H&M doesn't matter. What matters is what the father calls you, his son, his daughter, and where he has called you to be. And he's placed you in your workplace for a purpose. Now, ultimately, we do know that we are all imposters. That if we were judged by our work and our integrity, the quality of our life, we would all fall short. So the work that really matters is not the work that we do, but the work that is done for us, the work of Jesus Christ. And when we live and rest in the finished and complete and fully good and fully sufficient work of Jesus, and we accept that work as work done on our behalf, then we graciously get all the blessings of God. And we bring them into the workplace so we are not in any situation imposters. But we are always those sent out by the Father to the places that he wants us to be, to be the people that he has called us to become. Thank you very much. Bring Christian coworkers together and start a small group. Our challenge newsletter and workday emails help you support and encourage in living a life of faith, integrity, and excellence at work. Go to workingforourfather.com to learn more. The second part of this episode features one of our Christ at Work stories, an individual's personal experience that illustrates a life of faith, integrity, and excellence being lived out in the workplace. Today's story comes from Gail Cardwell. Well, good afternoon. Um, My story is all about how our Lord Jesus Christ goes to great lengths to set us free. Um, I had just accepted a job as CEO of a trade association that represented an industry in a significant economic decline. Uh, Their credit lines were starting to freeze. They couldn't carry their inventory. 
and they had selected me as CEO because I had a finance background and I had access to the capital markets, or at least I had contacts uh, for, to people who worked in the capital markets. And as I began the job, um, I felt a lot of pressure to deliver those contacts to help to rescue people. Listen to the pronoun, but I thought I was up for the task. Um, as part of the search process, uh, I was interviewed with the officers. We had a nice roundtable discussion. And I knew there was another trade group that represented the same industry. And I also knew there was overlapping membership. Recognizing it was an area for them to cut costs for the companies who were the members, I pretty much asked point blank, do you think that there's any chance that this trade group might merge with this other trade association? And unanimously, the officers assured me that those chances were very remote. Well, about six weeks into the job, I got an email out of the blue. And there was an attachment to it. <laughs> and it outlined the details of a prospective merger with this other trade association. There was no phone call ahead of time. Uh, it really flabbergasted me. And I didn't know who I could trust. You know, I felt like a fish out of water. Frankly, I felt like I had been exiled to Babylon. I didn't know who I could trust, who could I turn to, and what indeed was going on here. Um, and yet I knew that the Lord had put me there for his purpose. Well, one of, the, uh, one of my charges was to execute an employment contract with this other CEO. I think it's fair to say that he didn't really have an incentive <laughs> to enter into negotiations with me. And yet, that was my charge. So I dutifully opened conversations with him. We had a, I scheduled a series of luncheon conversations with him. But he was very volatile. And life was made difficult for me. I sunk deeper and deeper into isolation. I felt lost. I felt forsaken. I felt betrayed. And for God's sakes, I had this huge strategic plan I was supposed to effectuate and execute, and I was supposed to op help open these capital markets. And now I got handed merger negotiations out of the blue. 
I really felt like I was a captive. And um, I got up every morning, I drove to work, I went through the motions, but quite frankly, it was all toil. I woke up at 2 a.m., I projected into the future what was gonna happen, lots of sleepless nights, not a lot of peace, and finally, I was exhausted. And kneeling before the Lord, I said rather meekly, which is unusual for me, <laughs> why am I here, Lord? This is like Babylon. I mean, this, this culture is foreign to me. These are not my people. I don't understand them. What is, what's going on? Why did you put me here? And he simply said, why, sweetheart, it was, it's to set you free. Mm. And while I had created my own Babylon through my own selfish ambition, through looking into the future instead of being in the present, right? Um, by complicating my future conversations that never took place, the Lord's words were beautiful, clear, simple, and pure love. And the verse John 8.36 came to mind. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, the merger negotiations collapsed. Uh, my, my officers kept me on as CEO. They were very kind to me. And as I looked back, I really, I marveled at the lengths the Lord had gone to set me free. The people he gave me were my people. They were not foreigners. I wasn't lost. I was found. He had not forsaken me. He had chosen me. And I was no longer a slave. The sun had set me free indeed. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You'll want to check out our website at workingforourfather.com. It's constantly being updated with new content to support you and others in living your faith at work.